It was 2009. The world was in the midst of the worst economic crisis most people had ever seen. The economy was in sharp decline. Banks were going under. Businesses were in trouble. People were losing their jobs, their homes, their future. Slower economic growth meant lower tax revenues for governments, just as demand for social services was skyrocketing. Governments were under pressure. They needed to make up for the lost revenues and restore trust in the financial system. One key element of the response came from the G20, a massive and still ongoing global campaign led by the OECD to crack down on banking secrecy and tax havens. Tighter financial transparency standards put in place over the past 10 years have helped raise more than 100 billion euros in additional tax revenues. More than 100 countries are now automatically sharing information on overseas bank accounts, making it more likely than ever that soon there'll be nowhere left to hide. I'm Lawrence Spear, and I'm talking today to former British Prime Minister Gordon Brown. Mr. Brown, thanks very much for being with us today. Thank you. The UK was the chair of the G20 in 2009, so you were really in the hot seat. With the world facing so many economic challenges, how did tax transparency become such a central issue? It's uh, very interesting. The most controversial issue at the G20 in April 2009 in London was the issue of tax. You might have thought we would have been uh, discussing in, in detail and perhaps disagreeing on the scale of the stimulus to the world economy, because it was a massive stimulus, uh, more than a trillion. You might have thought we would have been arguing about uh, the future role of the IMF and the World Bank, or about bank recapitalization as opposed to you know, assets being uh, stored in a particular fund, as was proposed in America. But the most controversial issue was tax. One, of course, because revenues had been uh, lost as a result of the declining uh, growth, uh, and yet the need for public expenditure was greater because of unemployment and because of uh, other uh, social uh, impacts uh, from the recession. But the second was because people had come to the conclusion that too many people were avoiding their tax bills by siphoning money overseas and that we had no means of being able to get uh, that money back. And so uh, partly because President Sarkozy uh, pushed this, and partly because uh, Britain was very determined that something be done, uh, we had this huge debate at the G20. In fact, uh, the uh, President Sarkozy threatened to walk out if he didn't get an agreement on some uh, initiative on tax. And so you had to find some sort of compromise. And the compromise was that we would not take action as the G20, but ask the OECD to take action. So we passed on this request to the head of the OECD, whom I talked to, that the OECD, which has already done a lot of work on tax, should do even more work on tax. And they should look at this categorization of uh, three uh, types of uh, tax regime, one that was non-compliant, one that was only partially compliant, and one that was compliant. And of course, there were a large number of tax regimes that were not non-compliant. And that began the 10 years of work uh, on greater transparency, uh, on uh, opening up some of the uh, regimes that are offshore and uh, hidden from public uh, scrutiny, and of course the principle of automatic exchange of information, something that we'd introduced in Europe but had to be introduced right across the world to get all countries prepared, and I think a hundred now are, 
to exchange their tax information. Now, that means more money getting to the exchequers of individual countries, but it also means a sense of fairness in the tax system. Once you'd identified that tax transparency was so critical, there were a number of obstacles to moving forward, right? I mean, there were the banks, there were the offshore financial centers themselves, there were certain other countries. Yeah, but we had had some experience of taking on this issue of transparency in Europe. Europe had been planning since uh, the year 2000 to have a savings tax, and it wanted to have a, a harmonized tax in every country of Europe. But we had argued for some time, and successfully, that to have a tax simply within Europe would only mean that people would put their savings into non-European countries, Liechtenstein, Switzerland, Hong Kong perhaps, and that sort of thing. And that the only answer to the problem of tax avoidance was to have the automatic exchange of information. So we had won this battle in Europe, so that uh, automatic exchange of information was being agreed. Uh, countries who uh, had opposed it were falling into line. And Europe, while it wanted this harmonized savings tax, had now agreed that automatic exchange of information was the way forward. What we now had to do was persuade the rest of the world that this was the best way of dealing with tax avoidance and that it had to extend not only to uh, European and, and, and near European countries, but right across the world, particularly to the large uh, uh, sort of loss of money uh, in a number of tax havens, including, by the way, British dependencies, uh, which had to be dealt with. You bring up a very interesting point. Obviously, the question of the dependencies, but also other offshore financial centers. Some of the participants in that critical G20 meeting were saying, we have to have a list. There has to be a list. Other folks obviously don't want a list. Nobody wants to be on a list. Well, there was a list. We had a list. And the question was whether we published a list. Uh, and how we dealt with uh, those who were on the list. And we, we were in no doubt that there was a, a number of tax havens uh, that were uh, exempted in a way from international regulation and that we had to take action against them if we were ever going to have any fairness in our tax system. You see, the case that was being made, rightly so, was that why should someone pay the basic rate of tax in an individual country if the richest people were able to siphon off uh, their wealth uh, into tax havens and avoid tax almost altogether. And so it was a matter of fairness and we had to take some action. You've mentioned that the issue was passed on to the OECD, which then created the Global Forum, exactly. which today is more than 160 countries and jurisdictions. We are keen as the United Kingdom to help those uh, regimes uh, have better systems and we will give advice and help to them if they ask for it, send officials to back up what they are doing themselves. And so the UK has been very much behind not only the forum itself, but actually helping individual countries implement the results of the consultation. It's really multilateralism and international cooperation as it happens. And it's probably an appropriate moment to ask you, the multilateral system, which you were leading as the G20 president in 2009, is today under tremendous attack. Certain people suggest that long-standing institutions for global economic governance have passed their shelf life. Others are saying that the work that's taken place in the 10 years on lifting the veil of secrecy on tax transparency is actually proof that international cooperation still works. Well, this is, this is the issue. We've got populism breeding nationalism, breeding protectionism. 
And as a result, we've got countries pulling away from cooperation, whether it's on climate change or whether it's on the WTO, the World Trade Organization, which is proving to be ineffective. There is no world trade deal for the first time for 50 years or whether it's the relegation of the G20 and other institutions to being less important than they were 10, 10 years ago. And I think this retreat uh, from uh, cooperation is one of the most dangerous things that's happening in the world today. So it's got huge consequences, not just for the economy, but for security and for safety. Now, what's happened is that uh, perhaps we have emphasized too much in the last 20, 30 years, what I would call the wrong kind of cooperation, which is uh, taking uh, free trade to the level that it was not fair trade, uh, allowing uh, vulnerable countries uh, to be, if you like, invaded by capital flows without any restrictions on them. So taking, if you like, a neoliberal view of, um, of what it means uh, to have uh, cooperation, I think has done a lot of damage. What we need to emphasize is what is the right kind of cooperation. And the right kind of cooperation includes action uh, to deal with tax unfairness, to deal with tax avoidance, tax evasion. Uh, and I believe that most people in the world, if they were asked, would you allow money from your country simply to be siphoned off into other countries to avoid tax? They would say, no, we need systems of cooperation to make sure uh, that people pay their fair shares of tax and people do not escape uh, by using loopholes, by using, uh, if you like, offshore centres that are not properly regulated and supervised. I think there's public support for that. So the right kind of cooperation which I think would lead to people being prepared to have more multilateralism is uh, to deal with issues like tax avoidance in the way that uh, the OECD has been doing, and perhaps even so to step that up by putting pressure on those countries that are doing so little to do far more. Uh, and so I think the lesson of the last 10 years, yes, if you have the wrong kind of cooperation, it may lead to protectionism and nationalism, but if you have the right kind of cooperation, you can build support for multilateral change. It's quite radical, really, what's happened over the past decade. Hundred countries are now doing automatic exchange of information. Countries have uncovered something like 45, 50 million offshore accounts with five trillion in assets. It's gonna to lead to billions upon billions of new revenue. I know that Britain alone has uh, three million taxpayers who've got offshore accounts. Uh, and if you uh, extrapolate from that into what's happening with America and other countries, you get to the big figures that you're talking about. But every single country has been losing money as a result of the very rich evading or avoiding their tax responsibilities to their individual uh, finance ministries and, and tax uh, authorities. And the question is, can we now build on the success of the last 10 years and move further and faster towards making sure that we don't only have information about what's lost, but we actually get the money back. And I think it's very important that we get countries that are not prepared to exchange information reciprocally uh, to do so now. It's very important that countries that don't even hold that information, some tax havens don't even hold the information about what a company or what an individual uh, is and where they can be traced to and they can be anonymous in that country, we've got to get to the bottom of that as well. And we've got to deal with trusts that actually are a method by which people hide their anonymity uh, as, as a result of uh, uh, their desire to avoid tax. All these things must now be done. Uh, the OECD has moved this forward and now we must move it forward yet again. 
thanks for speaking to me, Gordon Brown. And thanks for listening to OECD Podcasts. I'm Lawrence Spear. To learn more about the continuing fight against tax evasion, have a look at the website for the Global Forum on Tax Transparency, oecd.org slash tax slash transparency.